here we go around the mulberry bush. I'm pretty sure I've used this intro before, but I did it again. And Great job. Back. Thank you so much. We're back discussing the year of 2003. The movie we're talking this week is a little known film that some of you may know called The Lord of the Rings, Turn of the King. And uh, helping us discuss Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is oh, hold on, uh, a guest who is a sports and movie content creator on YouTube and various podcasts, notably for the annual Justin and Tyler Movie Awards. Mr. Justin Robar, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I've been eagerly anticipating um, talking about this movie that just hit me at the absolute perfect point in my life to stick with me to the point that it has. And I've been a huge fanboy of the, uh, of the entire franchise since then. And I'm, I'm genuinely a big fan of the three of you guys and a big fan of oh, the show. Oh. So I'm exceptionally excited to be here. Excellent. Thank you, Thank you sir. My, uh, it's, it's always nice when people tell us that they like our podcast, where we let people talk about squishing poop and drains. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say, um, Caitlin's a little mad at me. She's like, I'm I'm coming on for Return of the King, right? And I was like, it's already taken. She's like, but it's been taking a while. I asked you like when we started the podcast, she's like, I didn't know what this podcast was going to be. <laughs> she <laughs> had no faith. I thought it was going to be terrible. Instead, it's just regular bad. Well, <laughs> she, she, didn't, she didn't have confidence in herself was the problem. But okay. I'm glad Justin is here. Hang on. Hang on. I, I, I have to pause for a second. Um, Justin Robar, Washington Post. You bumped your wife from I, I, this spot. I, <laughs> Do you I have didn't, any idea the pressure that that puts on me? I didn't bump her. Okay. I offered it when we first started the podcast, and then she she said, eh, "I don't know. I'm not really, you know, podcaster." To be fair, and she got messaged me over a year ago. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, she she got to uh, be part of a much more fun movie, Schindler's List. Yes. Oh. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> much more fun, just fun. Yeah, who and a holler. <laughs> but before we ask Justin some questions, I just say, a holler cost what? <laughs> oh God, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Almost want to tell Trav to cut the Holocaust joke. <laughs> I'm not going to. Oh. No, God, I, I don't. I don't want that cut. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm oh a sick my. person. Okay. Um, yes, well, Zach, well, as you were saying. Justin has been uh, an online buddy, a member of the legendary Team CBR, if you know, you know, for over 20 years. So I'm thrilled that he's here. Mm-hmm. We're thrilled to have him. I appreciate that, gentlemen. We're so thrilled we're going to harass you with three questions now. That's great. I am, I am so prepared for these three questions. Zach gave them to me ahead of time. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, and so I don't get to surprise you with the last one. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? He may, he may not have given me all of them. But as, as I, a little bit of inside baseball, I divulged to, to Paul before we got started. I have a singular goal today which is to not be the worst guest that's ever been on this show so as long as i get there then we're cool so let's um but yeah sorry i got excellent i know i'm a pretty tough cookie to beat so (laughs) (laughs) all right so our first question is how old were you in 2003 and do you have any memories of the time 
So bit a big time. So when when Return of the King came out, which was uh, December seventeenth of two thousand three, was actually two days before my nineteenth birthday. Oh. So this was uh, my my birthday gift to me from my brother was going and seeing this movie on opening weekend. Uh, so uh, was a big year for me. I graduated high school that year. I had just started university, struggling mightily in university, and then would eventually go on to be a teacher. So follow your dreams, kids. Um, <laughs> so so it, it was it was a massive year for me. And I kind of said a little bit earlier that this was a movie that hit me at that right time in my life because it was like I obviously had watched the first two, mm. but so much change going on in my life personally at that time. And then this movie just hit me on that level that very few movies have ever hit me at um, before. And I thought in general, 2003 for me was a pretty good year. I, I was a very different movie watcher at that point in my life than I am now. Yeah. But like, I like this it was the year of the greatest horrible movie ever made the room. I'm, yes. So, I mean, it was t- 2003 was just this year of, of movies that, weirdly enough, have stuck with me ever since. Uh, so, yeah, it was 2003 was a big year. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. So, our second question is, what are some formative films that got you into being a film fan? So, uh, again, I have, to, I have to pause and give all credit, basically, to the kind of film viewer that I am now to Zach and I's friend Tyler Um, because uh, there's like pre 2006 and there's post 2006 and 2006 was basically when Tyler kind of grabbed me by the collar and was like, I love movies on this level and you're going to too. (laughs) And and really kind of drugged me through um, becoming that. And I, I became that and was, was obviously I've loved it ever since. But uh, so prior to 2006, um, every summer that I would get together with um, my, my whole family, my sister would always bring two movies with her every year. It was Princess Bride and it was Labyrinth. So those are the two movies that every summer, it was like the thing that I looked forward to almost the most of anything related to summer vacation was we're going to get together. I'm going to get to watch Princess Bride and Labyrinth <laughs> constantly, like just, just on a loop. I'm going to be able to watch these two movies. So formatively, those two, absolutely. Uh, Spaceballs is where I derive 95% of my humor. So, you know, uh, all, all humor is built on plagiarism and I steal very liberally from right. From Spaceballs. If you're gonna uh, steal, steal from the best. Exactly. exactly. If if you're gonna, you know, if you're if you're gonna go to the go to the length. And then post 2006, in 2006 specifically, there were two movies, Clerks 2, as well as Rocky Balboa. And oh, okay. those were two movies that like though there were two of the first ones that like just the viewing experiences of those and like, oh, this is kind of what again, Tyler really putting Tyler over at this portion, but just okay, this is what he's talking about. And then having two and longer conversations after the movie than the length of the movie itself was really like, oh, I can really sink my teeth into this. Okay, so those ones are definitely ones that stand out to me as well. Nice. Uh, Remind me after we're done to show you something involving Clerks too. I will do. Because I will forget. Uh, (laughs) Right. Our third and most important question that we that has ever been asked in the history of mankind: Have you seen and what do you think of the 2019 masterpiece that is Cats? So here's here's my problem with 
with the movie. I don't think I can anywhere anymore find the butthole cut. We're trying to find it ourselves. Yeah, and if yep, I if I if I can't find the butthole cut, I don't want to see it. Because because as Zach yeah as Zach very plainly stated on our Gladiator episode, we want to see James Judy Dench's butthole. Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. So I I have not seen it, um, but uh, it's because I'm I'm holding out for the best. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you for letting us harass you. And a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about a movie. Hello, you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. I'm Zach McCoy. And I'm Justin Robar. We are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsity Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong. And what are we watching this week, Zach? This week, we are watching Return of the King, the film that, or I'm sorry, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. That's right, because The Return of the King is an animated film. You're right. Very important distinction. <laughs> 2003 film that launched a dozen fantasy projects and smashed the expectations of nerds for decades to come. Excellent. And yeah. here it comes. This is everybody's first time seeing this film. <laughs> <laughs> Midnight showing all three. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <sighs> no, not midnight showing, but... Uh, First or second day, opening weekend, anyway. I think Return of the King I saw in theaters four times. I, I saw it at least twice. Caitlin uh, saw it several times. She saw all Lord of the Rings at least five times each, and then she did Trilogy Tuesday as well at AMC Ooh. 24. Mm. I never I, did a trilogy in the theater. I did uh, The Dark Knight. Ooh. And then I walked out of the theater to... Wonderful news about Colorado being shot up. Oh, damn. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah way to bring down some of the most <laughs> I've ever had in a theater immediately. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't remember if I, I don't think I did this midnight show. I was in, I had just quit my job at the, uh, at the local theater or not theater, um, video store that I was working at movie scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in between jobs, and it would be a couple, be a couple months before I got on at the theater, the Regal Theater in Newport News. Yeah, where uh, when I got the job in February, this was still in the theater, and we were allowed to go sit in uh, theaters and eat free popcorn during our lunch breaks. And I would often go sit in the theater for this one. Mm-hmm. So I technically have seen bits of. I technically have seen this film in theaters like 10, 12 times, but in, in like 30 minute snippets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody dressed up? I don't remember. No, but I do specifically remember one garage sale where I, where I turned down a cloak that had the, 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 the leaf. I can never remember the name of it mm. at a garage sale. I was really pissed off. Elf, I missed elf out leaf. on it. 
Yeah, elf leaf, Gal- Galadriel leaf. Yeah, there, there, there were definitely cosplayers at the, the, um, the opening weekend viewing that I was at, and it was really before I was like, before I, I had an appreciation for the art that is cosplay. So yeah. when I first saw it, I was like, "What are these people doing?" Again, it's two thousand, <laughs> it's two thousand three. I'm nineteen years old, so yep. like, okay, right. well, like, what's like, okay, they're good movies, guys, but maybe not. A lifestyle choice and now i'm like oh it's it's you know it's kind of a lifestyle choice at this point so <laughs> but no i i like i said i mentioned i did see it on opening weekend i'm pretty sure i saw it on my birthday which would have been the friday of opening weekend it was to the point that my brother and i were in the very 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 front row of the theater so we were looking at the screen at about an 88 degree angle <laughs> um and yeah, yeah and it took nothing away from the viewing experience nice just happy nice. to be there Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's get into an Oscar breakdown. It is a Mordorian February 29th, 2004. You wrote that down. I actually did not. I came up with it just now. Oh, nice. (laughs) What does it mean? Uh, Absolutely nothing. All right. Oh, wait. Mordorian. Okay. Mordorian. Of of or pertaining. I thought it was an actual word. (laughs) Morticia. So, so it was it was warm hot this uh we are still at the kodak theater in hollywood california our host is a returning billy crystal oh your friend my my good friend from the yankees game <laughs> uh justin if you if you haven't heard i saw billy crystal throw out the first pitch at the opening days of the, the opening day of yankees versus red sox in oh. new york it was yeah. pretty dope. I, I told you this was going to be a baseball podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was never an if; it was a matter of when. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our most nominated film on the evening is *The Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King*. At eleven, our most awarded film on the evening is *The Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King*. At 11. Yeah, baby! Under it is, it is, it, yeah, it is, uh, I don't remember what number it is to 100%, but it is the, it is tying the third film to tie for the most Oscars awarded to a film and the only one of those that received all of them that it was nominated for. That is, yeah. Uh, so tying Ben Hur and Titanic. Good job. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Nicholas Cage's cousin, Return Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no, we'll get to that. Um, uh, wins Best Picture, Barry M. Osborne, Peter Jackson, and Fran Walsh all picking up Academy Awards for producing. It beats, actually, Nicholas Cage's cousin, Sofia Coppola, lost in translation. Uh, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, Mystic River, and Seabiscuit. Also known as? Sex in the City 2. Mm. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Was Master and Commander the one that was filled, filmed in Virginia? No. Okay. Which I'm trying to remember the boat one about that girl that got called what in. The, it was like, what, uh, the new world? gave me a syphilis. Is that the New World? Yeah, yeah that, that was, that the, was new the New World. world yeah, the, okay. The, the one Rabbit. about Jamestown. Yeah. yeah. Good old Terry. Terry, best director goes to Peter Jackson for 
The Lord of the Rings Return of the King, beating out Sophia Coppola, Nicolas Cage's cousin. Best actor goes to Jonathan Penn for Mystic River. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Beating out. Just had my daughter in there! <laughs> Is that my daughter? Ah! Uh, you're tearing no that's the wrong movie (laughs) (laughs) that should have been nominated for oscars he rented a theater just to put it in just to get an oscar nomination uh sean penn uh i think i'm reading this correctly the hammiest actor to ever win best actor Hmm. no Mm. i mean his character's name was jimmy markham well, okay. Well, there, there may go. be something to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm gonna give that one to you <laughs> tentatively. Tentatively. Best actress goes to Charlize Theron for Monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we like our acting awards to go to quantifiable acting. I guess. No, she's fine in that film. I've still only seen scenes of it. It's good. It's a good movie. I've never even heard of Whale Rider. Oh, uh, yeah, and Keisha Cashel Hughes in Whale Rider at the time is the youngest youngest actress nominated for Best Actress. Nice. At the time. At the time. We will get back to that. Back to that. Best Supporting Actor goes to Tim Robbins for Mystic River. I love Ken (laughs) Watanabe so much, and he should have gotten that for that movie for last year. Jaimon Hansu should have won it. Uh, that his performance in his performance in in America is was my favorite performance of 2003 it's so good it's also like the saddest movie ever made I'm also shocked to hear you weren't uh, you uh, weren't rooting for Benicio Del Toro for 21 grams I was actually going to say at least Benicio Del Toro didn't (laughs) (laughs) he's too good an actor and I hate him I would, I would, I would have thrown my support behind Ken Watanabe in that. Uh, the Last Samurai is another one of those. That, again, this weird collection of 2003 movies that came out and has stuck with me for the entirety of my adult life since that point. The Last Samurai might be the weirdest one on that whole list. That's <laughs> I, fair. The Last Samurai is possibly one of the best made white savior movies. That's yeah. I can I can I can buy that. It's it, it's it's very white savior movie, and they also kept that part where the horse kicks the guy right in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually went and saw Twenty One Grams in in America on the same night in a little art house theater in Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> and you fell into a deep depression. Yes, it did. Good old yard too. He'll do it to you. All right. Best Supporting Actress goes to Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain uh, because they had to apologize to her for not giving it to her for Chicago. Eh. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> hey, um, can you pronounce the uh, woman nominated for House of Sand and Fog? Uh, Shorey Agdashlu. She's really, she's really good in House of Sand and Fog. I'm glad she got that nomination. Fair enough. Good enough to know how to say your name. Uh, Do re mi fa so la. No, let's let's not let's not get 
xenophobic here. Come on, guys. True. Gave it up. Instead, we'll just make fun of Holly Hunter. And no, we won't make fun of Holly Hunter because she's an amazing actress, even though 13 is a terrible movie. All right. Best original screenplay goes to Nicolas Cage's cousin, Sofia Coppola, for Lost in Translation. Congratulations. Congratulations. Finding Nemo got nominated. It did. So did In America. And Dirty Pretty Things got Stephen Knight a nomination. Stephen Knight, who we all know best from the best film called Serenity. Oh, God. Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Best adapted (sighs) screenplay goes to The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Peter Jackson, his third Academy Award on the evening, and Fran Walsh, her second. The only one that shouldn't have won. No. Nope. Oh, because yeah, you're you're thinking it American Splendor. Should have gone to American Splendor. So easily. When, so when you look at this category, you're saying to yourself, "Where is, Where my, is my American, American Splendor?" <laughs> I didn't know this was a musical podcast. <laughs> I'm trained in musical theater. I will. I will get there. And Zach loves musicals. They're his favorite. Excellent. <laughs> I can see by the look on his face, which is a, a not a not a treat for the listeners. But <laughs> you, you mean that you could hear his eyes rolling through your headphones? A little bit. <laughs> I like Paul Workman musicals. Oh. All right. Best animated feature goes to Finding Nemo. Squishy. I feel like oh. I need to look at that year bet more because those nominees. I don't I don't know about the triplets of well, you, you mean the movie that should have won triplets of Belleville? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Great, I mean, Finding Nemo is fine, but it's not. I don't even think it's like that original. Mm. It would win original screenplay. It's beyond me, but it's it's a good movie. I it's, like yeah, it. It's a good movie. Just, you remember uh, when this category only got three nominees? That's weird. Well, y- well so it know, started with three. It went to five last year, and then it went mm-hmm. back to three. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. It's 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 a weird category for a while. So, mm-hmm. all right, best foreign language film goes to the Barbarian Invasions from Canada. Canada. Represent, woot woot. Best documentary feature goes to the Errol Morris film Fog of War. Uh, best documentary short subject goes to Chernobyl Heart. Best live action short film goes to Two Soldiers. Just two, just two. The rest of them don't deserve it. Go fuck themselves. Yep. <laughs> Best animated short film goes to Harvey Crumpet. Oh, you Crumpets. know, I, I was going to say it should have gone to Nibbles just for the name, but man, Harvey Crumpet. <laughs> That's pretty good. And apparently, apparently Nibbles was a Canadian animated short film as well. So. Yeah. Harvey Crumpet is something. Can, can we just take a second to highlight the all the names of the nominees in this category because it might be the best named category of any award show ever. We Honestly, got, yeah. I think you might Harvey, be right. Harvey Crumpet. Yep. Bound in, not bounding, bound in. Bound in the, the Pixar short, yeah. Uh, Destino. Yep. Gone Nutty. Which is and a, Nibbles. Gone Nutty is a scratch short that showed on the front of one of the Ice Age, <laughs> I believe, Ice Age 2. Mm-hmm. Or no, uh, it, it might have been on something, well, another Blue Sky film. Yeah, because it was Ice Age. I don't think that. Well, was it like that, a tease? Because that's the one where it was like they introduced. Like I think that's where I've seen the scrap from. Was from that. He's, he's he in the first money. one. Yeah, hmm. the first one came out two thousand one. I've seen 
half of one of the movies. I watched all six of them with my children. Recently. Six, six. There's six. Uh, they just released the sixth one on Disney Plus: The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Okay, I which, thought there were at most four. <laughs> no, you know no. what? They're the they're the Land Before Time. They're the new one because there's yeah. like fourteen of those now. Yeah, that's at right. Least. Mm-hmm. Minimum. All right. Uh, best original score brings us to our podcast within a podcast. John Williams Oscar watch. John Williams, not nominated this evening <sighs> because they didn't want him to beat Howard Shore, who won for The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Yeah. yeah. So I should look this up beforehand. Did John Williams have any movies out this year? Oh, that, that were... fine question, sir. I'm going to get on that right away. Thank you. No, he's in the midst of doing Harry Potter soundtracks and other things. And yeah, but he doesn't have a Harry Potter film in this year because one comes out in 01, two comes out in 02, and three does not come out until 04. Correct. Uh, Here's a question. Video games. <laughs> This is going to be a dumb question, but it's going to be a question anyway. No such thing. Okay, let's do, you, do you genuinely think that they skipped oh. doing Harry Potter 3 the same year as Lord of the Rings so as not to directly go up against it for a third year in a row? I, I feel like that's probably the case because um, the first two Harry Potters are released in the holiday season, and the yeah. third one is a summer release, hmm. which also might have just been like hey we're doing really good at the winter box office why don't we try the summer yeah yeah oh they may have they may have just delayed it for for the reason that they just wanted to try a summer release or they may have released you know i think that's a good theory yeah no uh john williams does not have a film score out in 2003 Hmm. he uh he did episode two minority report Chamber of Secrets and Catch Me If You Can in 02, and then does uh, Prisoner of Azkaban in the Terminal in 04. Oh, had to relax a little in 03. That was a <laughs> heavy workload in 02. Yeah, I mean, 01 is AI and Sorcerer's Stone, too. So, you know, he's all over it. It's interesting. This this past year when we were doing the, the movie awards, the Justin and Tyler movie awards, shameless plug, um, one of our awards that we did this year was talking about soundtracks. And uh, Lin, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda last year, like primarily contributed to the at soundtracks least. of four different movies at the very least. Yep. Um, tick, Tick, Boom, I think he did all the music for. And Canto, I think no, he uh, did. Tick, Tick, Boom, he directed. Oh, all the, oh, all the music from Tick, Tick, Boom was done by Jonathan Larson. Oh, you're absolutely right. But, I mean, directing a film on top of doing scores for other things is right. still ridiculous. Did he, do, yeah. did he do In the Heights music? Or is that- yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, thankfully yeah. for him, he doesn't have to write that music because it's already been a show for like two decades now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. D- directing a movie, doing the music for Encanto, uh, what was the fourth one in the Heights? And then there was, yeah, there was a fourth one, which he's also in, in the Heights. Oh, um, uh, Vivo animated movie. Vivo. Oh, in the, yeah. In Vivo. So yeah, he's just what busy a workload. busy, busy guy. Just, just right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Just being like, Oh, why don't I do four movies this year? <laughs> why, why not? not? 
like Brandon Sar- uh, Sanderson. <laughs> Did you see that? He's like, yeah, I was born. I wrote five books. <laughs> God love him. Can't even finish one. <laughs> All right. So on from Zach's failure as a writer. No, I'm kidding. I love you. Um, we get back to a best original song into the West from the Lord of the Rings, return of the King, giving mm. Fran Walsh her third Academy award on the evening and Howard Shore, his second and Annie Lennox, her first overall. This might be another one I disagree with. I actually just really wanted Annie Lennox to win this because Annie Lennox rules. Yep. But yeah, uh, Kiss at the End of the Rainbow from A Mighty Wind should have won. Yep. It's uh, yeah, the best song ever. Even though the Belleville Rendezvous is such a fun song. They're all beautiful, beautiful songs. Yeah. yeah. And Into the West is a song that's still legitimately like what we're almost 20 years on now. I can't hear that song. I can't listen to that song. If I listen to that song, I will cry like every pet I've ever seen just spontaneously died all at once. I will bawl. I can't, I can't that's, stop myself. That's the, the song Desperado by the Eagles is used very, uh, very liberally in the movie in America. And it's association with that film makes me cry every time I hear it now. Nice. If you haven't seen in America, you really need to see it in America. Fair I enough. I, I think I it's another one I have a copy of that. You, it should be the first thing you watch tomorrow. <laughs> you know, if you want to cry a whole bunch. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right. Best sound editing goes to Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. Yeah. Best sound mixing goes to Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Uh, look, I'm going to save us all a lot of uh, a lot of talking. Best art direction, cinematography, makeup, costume design, editing, and visual effects all go to the Lord of the Rings, The Return <laughs> of the King. If you want to bring up anything in there, Jonathan, please do. Well, Ma- Master and Commander wants cinematography, though, didn't it? Oh, it sorry. Did. Yep, yep, it did. I yep. I just lumped it in because it felt easier. But uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the first one with the rings, uh, <laughs> won Best Cinematography. So it's not really like right. we're missing out on anything. Yeah. So yeah, Master and Commander, Russell Boyd. Yeah, that should have won because that was an amazing film. Hmm. So, honorary awards. Yes. Blake Edwards gets our lone honorary award for the evening. No Thalberg. No... Uh, Herschel. Uh, Herschel, thank you. Uh, Blake Edwards, in recognition of his writing, directing, and producing an extraordinary body of work for the screen, Blake Edwards, you were amazing. Hooray! And we have a Gordon e. Sawyer Award tonight. Oh. Gordon e. Sawyer Award going to Peter D. Parks. Uh, Peter D. Parks is a British cinematographer and visual effects engineer and one of the industry's foremost micro photographers. Ooh, taking little pictures? Little pictures. He's an engineer, biologist, scientist, and designer of visual effects. He is perhaps best known for his ability to photograph small life forms, has been called upon by numerous directors to provide unusual images of the microcosm. Ooh. Parks was the founding partner of the Oxford Scientific Films, OSF, a company that provides high-quality film footage and photographs of a variety of organisms found in nature. 1989, Parks formed ImageQuest and ImageQuest 3D soon after, with the mission of researching and developing technologies pertinent to large-format filming in all media, with special emphasis on wildlife filming, special effects, and 3D. At ImageQuest, Parks design and 
an innovative 3D display system called Monax, which allows the viewing of three-dimensional images without special glasses. Oh, don't need them red and blues. If you would like to hear a couple of films that uh, he was responsible for doing visual effects on, he did optical sequences for the 1978 Superman, directed by Richard Donner. Nice. He did uh, uh, effects supervisor for the Bill Cosby starring Leonard Part (laughs) 6, which won Worst Picture at the Razzies. Poor guy. Uh, He also did optical effects for a little film that uh, I don't think Zach is a very big fan of, but I'll announce it anyway. The Fountain by Darren (gasps) Aronofsky. And uh, he did the fluid painting sequences in Image Quest 3D for Terry Malick's The Tree of Life. Oh, my gosh. Okay. okay. I love this guy and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Peter Parks is still with us. So I did not read from an obituary this week. I always like when I don't have to do that. <laughs> yes. It's a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah. Peter Parks. Hero to me. Yep. Hero, hero to Zach. But <laughs> also hero to all. And that's our Oscar breakdown. Excellent. All right. So let's talk about this movie. Let's. I would like to open up talking about this movie, please. Okay. Okay. Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, I was going to say it. Ruin cinema. God damn it, I knew he was going to say it. <laughs> and we've been building to this point. All right, so I want to point out, and this is something me and Zach had talked about, and I think, Paul, you ran out of conversation, I'm not 100%, but uh, Lord of the Rings, I think, Return of the King was the one that won, and I, I, I think they're all one movie. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm happy that all three did not just go through the Oscars for three fucking years. I think that would have been annoying as hell. Yeah. And in it on this one, and I, I think it's perfect. So when I'm talking about this movie, I'm talking about all three because yeah. that is how it should be. That's why I said the Lord of the Rings trilogy ruined cinema and not Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to let Paul begin by explaining himself. Okay. <laughs> All right, so when when I say things like this, I don't mean that The Lord of the Rings specifically ruined cinema. The Lord of the Rings didn't come out suddenly, like, retroactively set cinema back. What what happened was The Lord of the Rings Return to the King and the subsequent two films before it uh, set a precedent for Hollywood that has since made it harder for uh, mid-budget films to exist. Interesting, interesting. Okay. I, I agree based on one thing money was thrown at this movie so much that they full on costumed hours on extras and like hundreds of extras as mm-hmm. if to say we we are paying for everything and don't care how much we spend i yeah. i can 100% get behind that that idea mm. so what happens is these three films come out one right after the other three um concurrent years yeah yeah consecutive thank you and um it proves to hollywood a few things number one you don't have to wait two to three years for a sequel anymore if there's a if there's a large enough fan base going in and the movie is well made enough people will continuously show up every single year to throw money at your movies yeah uh, it it shows that a untapped fan base will 
just continuously throw money at things because as we as we all know hollywood learns the wrong lessons from movies mm-hmm. oh yeah normally oh, i think they learned a lot of interesting lessons from this one but you know something like 1989 batman comes out and they don't go hey let's start making a bunch more comic book films in 19 in the early 1990s instead they're like hey you remember all those radio dramas from like the 40s and 50s that people used to listen to? Let's make films out of those because that's what Batman is. Yeah, but then that's why we got the Phantom. That's why we got the Phantom. That's why we got the Shadow. That's why we got the Rocketeer, honestly. Yeah. Um, the uh, wrong Dick, lesson, Dick Tracy. but we get good things. Yeah, it's just a weird lesson to learn. Yeah, it, no, I, you're not wrong. So, so in this one, they get to learn how, you know, oh, you know, Something like X-Men already had like a, a visual media presence and had a, a small fan base built into that. And coming off the back of the early 90s cartoon, people about our age were probably going to go see X-Men one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord of the Rings has had very little visual media presence in cartoons that were very niche and weren't very popular. Uh mm-hmm. So now this untapped potential of a market opens up and suddenly it's let's start let's start raking those nerds for all the money they're worth. <laughs> yeah. And then of course it shows that uh if if you string enough story together over 3 years that you can just continuously release films over and over again. I'm not talking about any films in particular here that are Marvel. Um but yeah, uh essentially the the fact that all three of these movies were massive hits and not just like relative to their budget successes yeah. really teaches Hollywood a bunch of lessons about, oh, that's the kind of money we've been missing out on by not really tapping into nerds all this time. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So well, then <laughs> I mean, franchising becomes huge in cinema around this time yeah between harry potter and this i mean you're like so if we keep releasing these franchises whether they're good or not people are going to see the next one guaranteed i mean harry potter one and two could have been great and then everything after that could have been known to be shit and i probably still would have paid to go see him if only just to bitch about him. Quick question, just to uh, piggyback on this. Was this, I feel like I've read this somewhere. Was this like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings really kind of popularized the movie on the book kind of like, I don't, I, I'm maybe no. I'm not old enough to really remember movie or uh, bookstores like Barnes and Noble or Walden books at the time. Like, they have yeah. the we have hard pressed to think of anything. We had we had a Barnes and Noble in Newport News before 2000 because I I used to go to poetry readings at the Starbucks and mm-hmm. that Barnes and Noble when I was in middle school. So Barnes and Noble existed long before. You know, we had Walden Books and and the Patrick Henry Mall, so Right. I just meant the the whole book uh being the movie on the cover. Like, oh, no, no, because um, I had a copy of Jurassic Park with the movie on the cover mm-hmm. uh, I had a, in 94. I had yeah. a copy of. Uh, um, oh, God, blessed 
the name the <laughs> a necrophobia. No, not a necrophobia. Acro- the spider phobia. Arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. Thank you. I had a copy <laughs> yeah. of that. I had a copy of um The Shining with the um the TV miniseries cover, this the one with Stephen Weber that was directed by Stephen King. Mm. Or written by Stephen King. I'll, I'll I'll jump in here only because like uh, by day I am what I'd like to call a book slinger. Um, I work <laughs> for the the Canadian equivalent of Barnes and Noble, which is Indigo Books and Music. Uh, there, okay. I think there's a there's a single U.S. location in Short Hills, New Jersey. So there's my there's my business plug. Um, <laughs> so uh, the the what I can say about this now is the the proliferation of the the MTI the movie tie-in cover uh is massive uh, and only more so now because it is not just movies it is Netflix series it is Hulu series yeah. it is any Apple TV it is anything that gets put out anywhere there is now the 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 on-screen adaptation tie-in covers See that. are are like 30 to 35% of the book product. <laughs> See, I've always it. tried to avoid those hmm. personally. I always wanted like all of my Lord of the Rings books were not the movie covers. All of like, I always like anytime there was anything outside of a novelization of a movie, hmm. um, I always wanted something that was not that because it just, which like is something else to me. that's picked up a lot is the, the, yeah. the novelizations. I, yeah. I used to just buy a bunch of hard covers at flea markets. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about these films, or if we want this film. Um, I am a biased opinion in everything I say. The Hobbit was the first novel I ever read, and I was five. So, like, I have loved Tolkien forever. (laughs) And when I was told that they were making the live action Lord of the Rings. And I am somebody who has watched the old seventies animations. 50. I was singing when there's a whip, there's a way last week. Yeah. <laughs> like I have seen them so many times and I love them. And, and, and I am a fantasy geek and Tolkien is the creator of modern fantasy. D and D is not D and D without Tolkien. No fantasy nowadays is what it is without Tolkien. It's just, he made everything. And the only thing anybody can do from that point on is try to pull from that as little as possible. But no matter what, you're going to touch on Tolkien's. Like, it's... So, with that said, these movies are fucking perfect. Yeah, they're good. Um, there are I don't want to say perfect. There are flaws. Return of the King, the the twelve endings is a little rough. Like I watched the extended. There's like sixty five endings. Yeah, no, I want, dude. I like I said, I watched all sixteen hours over the last two days, and I've done it again recently. So it's something. I, you know me. I I look up the runtimes. So anytime I hear Zach tell us what we're watching next week, while he's doing that, I'm googling the runtime of that movie. And I will watch 16 hours of Lord of the Rings at least three or four times a year. Ending ending number 54 where Samwise is just moonwalking over Bag End was a weird choice, but yeah, you yeah, know, they, re- yeah. they really needed they re- they needed one of those uh uh he didn't even know the camera was rolling. He was just yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's good times for everybody. Why, yeah. why not? Yeah, I mean 
So I I, I could have done without the uh, the extended uh, crocodile knife fight, but you know. Uh. <sighs> Listen, they they had to make it to the shores. A little bit of action in there, so it's, I guess it feel like Captain Hook didn't need to show up though. No. What what no. I will say though is without without those you would have never gotten the best joke in Clerks 2. <laughs> yeah. Which is Randall saying talking about the hobbits and <laughs> Sam sauntering over to Frodo and yeah. yep. things happen. Jesus um, you never would have even the trees in that whole, <laughs> You never would have gotten the best segment in that whole movie. So for that alone, yeah. all of the endings are worth it. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. Even even bringing Leonard Nimoy in to to sing the Bilbo Baggins song. God, that song is so rough. <laughs> I still listen to it. <laughs> um. So, like I said, I, I've been immersed in Tolkien fantasy for a long. I even speak the tiniest amount of Elvish. So, Ooh. like, I mean, literally, the only reason I did it is because me and a friend were when we LARPed, we would speak Elvish to each other for the things that we needed. You're so turning that, me uh, on here. Hold on. Farathathan Akilaskaldi. Oh my god. only. Let me get my chocolate here. All right. Um <laughs> so with that said, let's as films, cat, stop being an asshole. <laughs> um, asshole cat. I feel like the casting in this movie is perfect. Christopher Lee being just the badass that he is to begin with. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if any, I'm sure you all know this, but in, if any of our listeners don't know, Christopher Lee is literally James Bond. No, he's Scouter Manga from the man with the golden gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause I know his cousin is Ian Fleming. Yeah. Yes. And he basically based the books off of, Christopher Lee, who was a uh, British spy. So, so was Ian Fleming and uh, yeah. Roald Dahl, which is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anytime I see Christopher Lee, I just see just a badass and a half. What I see yeah. was also like he was there for the last French uh, guillotine use. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which really it. puts which really puts a lot of credence to him telling Peter Jackson, I know what it sounds like when a person gets stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How how has this man not become and remained the biggest meme on the internet? I don't know. Have Listen, you ever have you ever listened to any of his metal music? I was about to say he's uh, a metal singer too. <laughs> like it released that like what he was almost 90 when that came out. Yep. That, uh, well that yeah. was no, that was the Christmas uh metal album <laughs> i was gonna say that wasn't even his first album no gotcha uh, yeah. he just yeah. lived life to the fullest yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so there's christopher lee uh ian mckellen is ian mckellen I, who should have won I, best supporting actor in 2001 i don't yeah you i had honestly that can't think of anybody not being gandalf or anybody else being gandalf mm. besides him yeah I, I couldn't see anybody else being Gandalf. I could see at least 70 people uh, being Magneto, though. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you're not wrong there. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. 
I'm, I'm trying not to just gush over the film by just saying how much I love this movie. Like I want to bring up the actual points of how much I love this movie, but I also want to hear Paul because it sounds like, uh, and Zach, of course, Justin, uh, Paul. What? I don't know. I've spoke. I've, I've spoke uh, quite a bit already. Okay. Let's let let's let Zach and Justin get some yeah, opinions in here please. before. Yeah, I'll I'll throw a little thoughts and then I'll let Justin um, wrap us up of that this trio. Um, yeah, it this time of my life is it was a beautiful time. You know, uh, I'm not going to apologize for always like being oh my wife Caitlin, we're, <laughs> my wife from 2001 on. We're just inseparable and and she's part of every story I have to tell regarding like movies and art and stuff. She is the bigger Lord of the Rings nerd of the two of us. Um, she, I, I hadn't read the books or even the Hobbit until I met her. And she was like, you got to read these. And like, they're, the movies are coming out. And so we saw all the movies in theaters together. Um, she dressed up as a Hobbit for trilogy Tuesday, uh, complete with ears and, uh, was eating hot dogs and it was super cute. What about um, feet? She had fake feet, I think at least one point she did not put actual fur on her real feet I, i'm thankful for that so did uh, she did she eat second hot dogs she did she what about elevensies hot dogs i believe so she just ate hot dogs like the whole time the whole lunch day hot dogs lunch and hot dogs mm -hmm. tea yes. time hot dogs dinner supper hot dogs just pounding them sausages on <laughs> she was uh, just down her gullet um <laughs> the first christmas gift i ever gave her was Everybody know the the Noble Collection. Do you remember those catalogs that came out with all the, like the fantasy stuff? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got her the um, it was the ring and the globe held aloft by Ring Race. And um, nice second Christmas, I got her the the History of Middle Earth with Christopher Tolkien series. And so she's just got a whole bookshelf of everything. She's total Lord of the Rings nerd. She's got a, a <laughs> laptop bag hoodie she's got a, a sting you know all this stuff um so seeing those movies and these were the same times as like harry potter book releases and and we we started being folks who would dress up and go to those things and it just became part of our the fun that we did and they're wonderful memories and i love these movies too um and Ranking them, I feel, you know, like like you said, Jonathan, they're, they're one movie. You can't just, like, watch yeah. one without the other because then they've been incomplete stories. Um, I think uh, as the series goes, the Fellowship is a high point. The Two Towers is probably, the if you have to say, the weakest of the three. It, 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 but it's still great. And then... Um, it's the weakest of the three. <laughs> listen, listen. Okay, listen. <laughs> You're not wrong... I know, but not. but Two Towers had the best moments. Yeah, because it had the ends in it. <laughs> There's that. They're the There's greatest characters in the whole trilogy. The actual Balrog fight. The, yeah, that's uh, pretty dumb. The <laughs> the moment where every nerd has to try to shut their fucking mouth every time Aragorn kicks the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know he broke his foot? <laughs> <laughs> You see a crowd of people just lean to the right. God, could you imagine? I want to go to a theater with like a whole bunch of just token nerds and just like, hey, did you guys know? <laughs> like a viewing of the room where they just throw spoons at the screen. <laughs> just reciting trivia in, oh, in unison. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like the worst moment 
ever. Anyway, uh, continue. Just just to finish up my thought, and then Justin, I'll turn it over to you. Um, Paul, all your points about you know tapping into the nerd and the geek. I think, for better or worse, the worst being the Hollywood movie industry, TV series, whatever, just cranking out whatever they can as fast as they can sometimes. But I mean, there's there's quality along the way, but other other things are just like slapdash. I'm actually reading the Aragon <laughs> series to the boys and those are those books are fun but they're yeah. obviously just a rehash of tolkien i mean if you really want to get them to go to sleep just read the silmarillion to them <laughs> will do there's some or good could, stuff in there though. or you can recite the plot to the english patient oh, oh, God. God. so i so i learned from uh uh dawson's creek yeah um but this also represents a moment in time at least uh as far as I was aware of where being quote unquote nerdy or geeky became a cool thing, you know, and then, and then we lean into the years where the big bang theory comes out and stuff like that. And it's like, Ugh, it's the <laughs> dark times, but it's a thing, you know, you get you used to get made fun of for liking comic books and, and, I'm not, I'm not gatekeeping. I'm not. I'm not one of those people. But it's just there was a shift, and there. Oh God! And I think this was that time when this is exactly that time. Uh, yeah. The X Men. The X Men series starts in 2000. This series and Harry Potter starts in 01. Spider Man comes out in 02. Yep. And those that that cacophony of like three years right there just sets Hollywood on fire. Yeah. And sends us down a horrible dark path where <laughs> where I can't get decent mid-budget thrillers that were based off John Grisham novels anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there are times where I do wish my hobbies were a niche hobby again, but just at the same you, time. You, you can get those films done if you cast Scarlett Johansson. True. Because then, the uh, then the budget goes up. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> But Hollywood doesn't like to cash Asian actresses and leads most ah. of the time. <laughs> but yeah, so that, oh. that's the finish of my thought for now. So I'm going to, Justin, let's uh, tap into your Return of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, 2003, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh, you're exactly. stalling to let him recover. <laughs> I, 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 I so appreciate the producer in you that was trying to give me an extra minute there. Just uh, oh my god! Uh, I see, and I brought that on myself because I'm the one that brought that up. I could have just said nothing. Whenever I hear Scarlett Johansson, I I think a robot chicken now too. It's like Scarlett Johansson. She's got right, a giant so Johansson. It, it's it's funny because we have we have this conversation now, and of course we have the gift of hindsight in terms of you know what what the the bad the bad lessons that this. Uh, trilogy taught taught Hollywood. So I'm going to go against the grain. Let me tell you about this piece of shit. Um, no, <laughs> obviously these these movies are incredible. But it's funny because when this was just a gleam in Peter Jackson's eye in 1997, um, the concept of the way that they would make these movies was the one of the biggest gambles in Hollywood because mm -hmm. they filmed. All of these, with the exception of when they'd go back in 2004 and film supplementary stuff that would then go into the extended editions, like this, 
the concept of filming over a 14 month period, nine hours worth of high fantasy movies, not knowing whether this was going to fly or not. We talk about all the money that was thrown at it. And that's very true. It was a, 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 an unfathomable almost amount of money for most people. They didn't know that this was going to work. And I think they had a good idea that it would, but genuinely like this, if that first movie flops, they go, well, we're the other two are done. Like they're going to come out, but oh man, um, Peter Jackson's going to have to go into witness protection. Yeah. Um, but luckily it's, you know, but, and I, I, I love the point actually that you made about like the, the bad, again, the bad lessons that this kind of did wind up teaching Hollywood, um, in retrospect. And I kind of, I also kind of want to bring up, um, like Jonathan, when you were talking about, uh, the casting and how like just pitch perfect the entirety of the casting is. It's so funny because in 2001, you know, a lot of people obviously would have known who Liv Tyler was. And a lot of people would have known who Hugo Weaving was. And people would have known who Ian McKellen was and, and what have you. These people were far from household names. They were known to people who were fans of them. Yeah. And, yeah. And oh, then, yeah. And then to become the household names that even in that sort of brief period of time, like, I don't think anyone was talking about Viggo Mortensen and then suddenly everyone was talking about Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's a good point. Like Liv Tyler is probably her and Elijah Wood are the two biggest names yep. going yeah. into this trilogy. Sean Astin is probably a, a very distant third. <laughs> <laughs> Most people still just call him Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> the kid from Goonies. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, I th- and I think like uh, one of the other things that I, I kind of wanted to put it out to this kind of putting you guys on the spot, but you're all obviously very, ed- very, you know, educated and passionate movie fans. So I figure I could do this in, in contemplating like the best trilogies of all time. I think most people put this somewhere around number two to number three. A lot of hardcore fans are obviously going to put it number one, but with this movie in particular, is there a better capper to a trilogy as a movie in a vacuum? Yes. Than this? Yes. Okay. Army of Darkness. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It it stands on its own, and it's a perfect mm. sequel to Evil Dead 2. Right. right. Oh, boy. That was that was fast paul that was that was really really quick these are the calculations that go on in my brain literally all constantly (laughs) that's fantastic because the one that always stuck out in my head was like because you know you think of like um obviously um the you know you're you're ending the star wars trilogy ending the godfather to everybody of course rails on godfather 3 and uh or like like back to the future i think a lot of people would sort of cite in sort of in that same conversation back to the future three is my favorite back to the future film yeah (laughs) yep i like it a lot um as a capper it's a weird one it's a weird (laughs) one (laughs) but but that's also that's also robert zemeckis going i'm finally making my western and you fuckers can't stop me (laughs) (laughs) uh so it's not really a an actual trilogy i guess but i'd say the good the bad and the ugly 
Yeah, uh, if you call them yeah. dollars, that, that's kind of a perfect film. So, um, uh, but, but you know, it's it's a lot it's of time. not it's not a trilogy, but uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. the the best film of that series. Mm. I'll, I'll throw out a weird one here because these are movies I a trilogy that I love. Uh, and you, but I seem to, I don't know if I just run into people that don't, that didn't seem to work for them. The, this planet of the apes prequels, funny enough, you tie it in with Andy circus. Um, they're so good. Yeah. They're so good. They're so good. No, those, those, and the war for the planet of the apes, I think being the best of the three of them. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, Oh my God, where would I? Uh, I may invalidate my own question. <laughs> I put it right there. Uh, and and pers- on a personal level, I might. But I, I keep running into this weird contingent of people that's just like, eh. Like, really? <laughs> no. I, uh, I, I am a Planet of the Apes fan top to bottom. That whole series is one of my all-time favorite series. And the fact that those three new ones were as good as they were, it's just, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I'm going to be the outlier though and say I do think actually Return of the King is one of the trilogies I can think of, probably the best when it comes to ending that. Um, but Last Crusade is my favorite Indiana Jones. Legend, yeah. Well, Last Crusade is my favorite Indiana Jones as well, but I still think Return of the King is a better movie. I'm I'm trying gotcha, to think gotcha. of I'm trying to think of threes here, like uh, Beyond Thunderdome's the weakest of the three original Mad Max films. Uh, Toy Story 3 is the Superman 4 of Toy Story films. Um, I love that. Can I get that on a t-shirt? That's amazing. <laughs> All right, let's write that down here. Yeah, yeah there you go. We got to start merchandising. It's you got to, yes, get the merch on the go, because yeah, I, well, I will buy that. I need I need a weird film kid shirt. Um. So the ones, the ones that kind of came to like, I mean, obviously I mentioned God, yeah, like Godfather trilogy. is the low, is the low hanging fruit. Right. Yeah. Um, right. But in terms of like the original, well, any of the, any of the three star Wars trilogies, whichever one you want to pluck um, with the exception, I think of the prequel trilogy, because I think yeah. revenge of the Sith is probably the best of those three movies. It's and, my favorite of the three. And of it, uh, like, I think kind of stands on its own as a, a, a good Star Wars movie. You can't even say that in public anymore. A good Star Wars movie. Paul likes um, to say, hashtag all Star Wars is good Star Wars. <laughs> I love that. Put that yeah. on a shirt, too. Yeah. I, I also like saying I like my Star Wars cute, my Batman gay. <laughs> I still need to watch that. I'm gay watching Batman. It this weekend. Gay Batman. Yeah. Uh, I've been calling it a Batman because uh, I get tired of people saying that this is the Batman. There's a reason it's called the Batman. Shut up. Just fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got a list here and some of these I'm like, maybe because like Die Hard with a Vengeance was probably my favorite Die Hard. Mm. It's it's a really good one. Uh, Scream 3 was exactly what Scream 3 needed to be. Scream mm. 3, which is uh, which proves that the Scream series is based in the same uh, universe as the View Askew movies. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. <laughs> uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, yeah! That's the best number three that... No, the second best number three that came out in um, 2003. 
Yeah. Because the first one's Spy Kids 3D, game over. Which is the best trilogy of films that had films come out in 2001, 2002, and 2003. Oh, I was waiting for it. Um, So weird. Why aren't we talking about that on this show? I don't know. (laughs) I'll let you know when we get to talk about that. Oh, believe me. I know what's coming. Uh (laughs) It's something I'm very angry about. I know. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, So, yeah. I, like like I said, personally, I mean, even though I just named off a few, I still put Return of the King as the best kind of way to end things. Uh, the rest of them are just continuations of just those stories or those characters where this was, I mean, this, this was a, a series already. This was uh, these three books and they did them just <clears throat> so freaking well. And just adding like, and granted, there's a lot of stuff you have to watch the extended edition to really get the just smaller, super nerdy shit that they talk about in the books that really wasn't necessary in the movies. But mm-hmm. there are some things where it's like the, uh, oh God, when Gladriel gives Gimli the three hairs, there's a fucking reason why it's three hairs. And you have to read the Silmarillion to know why. <laughs> and it makes me get super nerdy. Like I get this like huge geek boner every time I see that. Like it, just, it makes me so happy. But I understand why things like that got cut. Um, mm. And also, <laughs> you have to see the extended version to get more of the walking because in fellowship the pacing gets a little weird from Bree to the mountain or to the uh, watchtower where in the extended edition it's at least stretched a little bit more to where it's not just like hey we're here and Frodo gets stabbed like what <laughs> <laughs> we got three movies if you guys walk in this is like where you guys skip around a little bit huh. um so I I I I, I enjoyed the comedy of the clerks to joke, but I still get a little upset at it from time to time. Like Randall, <laughs> you're not wrong, but you didn't need to fucking say it. <laughs> exactly. Seems like the classic <laughs> thing to do is not to call attention. To Cause it. listen, if there's one thing I bitch about Stephen King, it's how much that man feels the need to describe every little thing. But if you read Lord of the Rings, that man spends 50 pages describing a fucking branch. So, yeah, I understand it. So they, they, Peter Jackson tried to bring a little of that on film, but knowing full well that people weren't going to do, watch that. I'm also again needing to bring up the fact that the man who made these three movies, these three at least nominated films, is the same man who put a walrus fucking a fish on film. I really liked watching Return of the King because. It made me realize how much the Frighteners was an audition piece for this. <laughs> I just, at what point <laughs> did somebody go, should we watch Meet the Feebles before we let this guy make these movies? No, we'll just, we'll just throw Dead Alive back in. <laughs> so uh. I... Yeah, I, so we'll just go ahead and um, we're going to move on here. But do you guys have any additional notes you'd like to talk about these films? To any more gushing? Because I can go on for fucking days. I, I do. I do want to ask very briefly how you feel about moving uh, the content with Shelob 
out of the two towers, which is the book that it's in, into yeah. Return of the King, which is the movie that it's in. I don't think it's a good correction, but I think it's a good placement for the film. Hmm. I, I think uh, it works narratively very well. Yeah. It, it just, it, it was able to allow the transition that was needed at that point. Yeah. So it just, I, I, I'm not a stickler for that kind of stuff. Like it was in there. They could have yeah. just as easily have not. So yeah. Again, so, I, the small things that they add in there, I, I'm happy with anything if they want to change just a little bit, even if it's just placement. Yeah. So I'm just going to quickly say, you know, uh, before watching, I knew, knowing this was coming up on the podcast, uh, and we'd, um, Caitlin had read The Hobbit to the boys earlier this year, and we watched The Hobbit films, which before, I, I think I made a social media post about this. I, I thought The Hobbit films were just okay but then watching them right after reading the hobbit i realized that the tone just matched the tone of the book it mm-hmm. was kind of a little silly and goofy but yeah it, and it's it was amazing. a children's book yeah i, I think, think that's first, why tolkien wrote it <laughs> i think the first two hobbit films are very strong mm-hmm. i actually really enjoyed watching those in the theater and i got to see the first one in uh 48 frames which was Ooh. awesome Ooh. um because I like high frame rate to put no matter what people say about it and how it makes it look the motion smoothing. Um, I'm, I'm a gamer, so I, I need everything in 120 FPS at all times. That's fair. But, um, <laughs> but I, I actually really, I think the third Hobbit film kind of sucks. I see that. Yeah. I, I, I remember saying it at the end of that movie. What a great duology that was. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I, yeah. <laughs> like it I starts do, out real strong with the smog yeah. attack, but yeah, you know, it's all just Peace kind out. of boring after that. Yeah. yeah, the 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 Battle of Five Armies already was kind of meh to begin with, and kind yeah. of thrown together in the book. Yeah, so it's very quick in the book. Yeah, like. yeah, it is very quick in the book. So I, I just I feel like Paul's point at the beginning of the conversation is proven by The Hobbit, where it's that, like, hey can we stretch this to make as much money as possible? No, we need, we need two movies out of that tops. Yeah. Right. You gave us too much. It's, right. it's really bad when you make three, three hour movies out of something that was already a really good, like hour and a half cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, say, you know, we've got the game of Thrones. We get the, uh, all the fantasy shows that are on now. And it's just like, we are where we are. Uh, and I have to shout out my 2003 Mars Volta t-shirt. Nice. That I'm wearing from high school. I'm a little worn and a, snug, but I'm wearing a Cactus Jack shirt. I thought that was a Cactus Jack t-shirt and I wanted to bring it up, but I was like, I'm not going to wrestling. I'm not going to geek out on wrestling right now. Here's but my goddamn here's my signed photo of the three faces of Mick Foley. That's so pissed great. off that I missed that show. It got I, canceled at the, I was going to see the same show that Paul went to, but COVID. Like it yeah, was literally I, like the date that he was coming was like when the lockdown started. I I caught him a oh. month before lockdown started in Virginia Beach, and uh, I got I got more weird stories about that if you want to hear them after we're done recording. <laughs> and I got, of course, my uh, cage fighter cage fighter <laughs> shirt. Oh, that's fantastic! 
Uh, I'm, I'm wearing a shirt uh, that was merch for a Twitch streamer friend of mine. Uh, his uh, to be modeled like a Jack Daniels uh, bottle of whiskey. I love the type one diabetic. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's very very diabetic, and he's like, well, I might as well make merch out of this. Hell <laughs> so yeah. go there for go. it. <laughs> What's really funny is you can actually make whiskey out of a diabetic's piss. There's that much sugar in it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the more you know. Right? All right. So let's so, go ahead so and Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go ahead and move on and ask Paul the question, is this movie in the library? It is not. <gasps> it's not? Christ. No. No. The, uh, the first one is the only one that's in. And, you know, of course, that one just got in in 2021. Oh, I thought maybe it was 2021 because this one had already been in or something. Huh. Nope. All right. You're ready for the list of films from 2003. I'm ready, baby. All right. Yeah. The Errol Morris documentary, The Fog of War. Would you like to guess what year that went in? <laughs> 2019. Uh, what's the minimum year? Uh, it would be 2013 at this point because it's 10 year yes, eligibility. Let's go 2017. Justin? 2014. All right. Well, hold on to your horses. Zach, you hit it, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> that puts you in the lead. So, Fog of War, our only 2003 film, 2019. Well, there you go. You have a rousy roundup, sir? Yes, sir, I do. <laughs> there is the a... So just as the uh, Return of the King did well for the Academy, uh, for the Razzies, <laughs> oh, a God. one movie... Gili, 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 Started with worst picture beating Gili... Beating out the cat in the hat, Charlie's Angels full throttle from Justice Justin to Kelly and the real Cancun. <laughs> Worst actor goes to Ben Affleck, who gets Daredevil and Geely, and they counted Paycheck in there, but I kind of liked Paycheck. You know, but with the Razzies, they pick you for one thing. Yeah. And if it's the thing that won Worst Picture, that's what you're in there for. But they're just they're kicking you on the way down. Yeah. Um Beating out Cuba Gooding Jr. for Boat Trip, The, Temp- oh, the Fighting trip. Temptations, and Radio. Uh, radio. Uh, bad, bad radio was just not <laughs> radio. good. Uh, when worst I actress. got the music. <laughs> I got no place to go. Uh, worst actress goes to Jennifer Lopez in Geely, beating out Drew Barrymore, Kelly Clarkson, Cameron Diaz, and Angelina Jolie. Where supporting actor goes to, and this is where Paul gets to have some fun. Sylvester Stallone. That's bullshit. For he Spy is, Kids 3D game he over. He is such a treasure in Spy Kids 3D game over. The greatest number three of 2003. I am. They are just being assholes. Yeah. Oh, of course. I just don't like it because he's uh, he's legitimately fun in that movie, and he plays like four characters. Yeah. Uh, beating out Anthony Anderson and Kangaroo Jack, Alec Baldwin, Al Pacino and Geely, and Christopher Walken and Geely and Kangaroo Jack. I feel like Christopher Walken for just those two movies alone. But 
just based on the movies. Uh, worst supporting actress goes to Demi Moore for Charlie's Angels, speeding out. Uh, ah, man, I always I can never miss the the, the mom and uh, the Greek movie. Uh, Lanny Kazan. Okay, Lanny. Yeah, uh, Brittany Murphy, Kelly Preston, and Tara Reid. Uh, Tara Reid should always be the winner of the Razzies. I think always. Leave, leave poor like, Tara Reid alone. She's no. had a tough life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worst screen couple goes to Benifer for Geely. At least out. they actually picked a couple this time. Yeah, right. Like actual human actors. Uh, beating out Kelly Carkson and Justin Guarini. Yeah, the the winner and the okay. runner-up of the first American Idol in yep. a movie together. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. How could it have failed? Uh, Aston Kutcher and Bristy Murphy or Tara Reid. Uh, Mike Myers and either Thing 1 or Thing 2, both voiced by Dan Castellaneta. Cast- Castel- Castellaneta. 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 Uh, the, the, the best genie. <laughs> can we mute can i mute people <laughs> i i can let's see click there we go uh worst director goes to martin breast for geely beating out robert iscove mort nathan the wachowskis which is they should never be nominated for anything because they've never made a bad movie and Bo Welch, where screenplay goes to Geely, beating out Cat in the Hat, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, Dumb and Dumber, when Harry met Lloyd, and from Justin Kelly. Uh, and... I'm sorry, you you said that wrong. Dumb and Dumber, er. Oh, no, Dumber, er, er. Sorry, I <laughs> fucking hate those movies, so I don't care. Um, and the let's see worst excuse for an actual movie, all concept, no content, goes to the Cat in the Hat. Uh, beating out Too Fast, Too Furious, Charlie's oh. Angels, Full Throttle from Justin Kelly and The Real Cancun. The only one I disagree with is Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. Uh, and they also had a Governor's Award for Distinguished Underachievement in Choreography for Travis Payne for his work on from Justin Kelly. Geely, Geely, Geely. I saw that- a copy of it at uh, Second and Charles and it's like... Maybe I should actually watch this and just so I know. <laughs> were, they, were they offering to pay you? <laughs> I I was going to ask. <laughs> and somehow, somehow, that's only Martin Breath's second worst movie. Were you gonna, did he do Sin of a Woman? <laughs> he did Sin of a Woman. That yeah. was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so I um I just mixed, missed a message a bit ago uh, <laughs> from Caitlin. I think she must have been on the other side of the door. <laughs> it says, just ate hot dogs the whole day, dot, 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 <laughs> down my gullet, in all caps. <laughs> I am in trouble. Well done, sir. No hot dog <laughs> eating for you. She can't uh, resist. I'll, I'll be expecting the uh, <laughs> pounding sausages <laughs> message later. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get into our worsty judgments. All right, so Justin, we're going to ask you a couple questions here. We're going to start with one, do a little round robin here, and then we'll move back to you. But for that first question, I'm going to ask you, does this movie deserve Best Picture? Shut up. (laughs) I forgot (laughs) it. I always forget. It's two fucking questions. We are (laughs) episode 80-something, and I still forget. 
<laughs> it's all good. I've been I've been doing my football podcast for eleven years, and I still suck. So <laughs> you know, we're it's all good. Um, did this movie a- absolutely? Um, the I can I will listen to an argument for Lost in Translation uh, because I understand that it is an an award that is voted on by a particular community. And I know that like, I know that the critical response to Lost in Translation was just that much above in general Return of the King. So I'll, I'll hear the argument, but um, <laughs> the, I, my bad counter for that argument is if you take the box office of the other four nominees, add it together and multiply it by two, it's not what Return of the King had. And box office is obviously far from the metric here. Yeah. But when it is so overwhelmingly dominant over something, I mean, if that was the metric, Avatar would have won in 2009, but it did, or 2010, but it didn't. Um, so I'll, I'll hear the argument for Lost in Translation, but to me, this was an absolute layup. And I 100% agree. Well, somebody said it earlier. I can't remember which who, which one of you it was, um, that you were, you were happy that it didn't just win Best Picture three years in a row. I don't think Fellowship of the Ring would have deserved to win Best Picture in 2001. I don't think Two Towers necessarily would have deserved to win in 2002. This absolutely deserve to be best picture all right very nice i agree fucking a <laughs> um the thing is i've not seen any of the other movies this year um oh. yeah sea biscuit i i some I, I don't care about horses so <laughs> it's not about horses it's about a horse i'm sorry there's a hanging okay go on yeah i, I don't <laughs> i'm sure there's more to it i just don't care uh, Lost in Translation just always seemed like it looked Wes Anderson to me. I'm sure it's not because it is, you know, Sofia Coppola. And I might see it at some point. That's a lot um, of pretense you're putting on that. Oh, yeah. Is pretty pretentious. Based on, just based it's pretty on pretentious. Uh, Bill Murray, huh? Basically, it is. But I still love Bill Murray. So that's okay. Um, the only thing I would probably amend is the fact that one of the greatest movies of all time came out in 2003 and was completely ignored by the Academy. And that was The Core. The Core. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't feel like it was acknowledged. And I feel unheard. Mostly big decor. <laughs> yeah, 2003 kind of sucked. What? Not gonna lie. So, like, I'm not saying there were it was all bad movies. Like, there were good movies that came out in 2003. But if you look at 2003 as a whole, like, it just—it's a really good year in film. <laughs> it's got three of my at, favorite movies. It's got some good movies in there, but if you look at the rest of them, it's just kind of like a lot of meh. A lot, a lot of sequels came out that year as well so but yeah no this movie definitely deserved it zach hi there how you doing great does this movie deserve best picture (laughs) uh i'm gonna uh, name a few films that uh were great this year 
uh, Kill Bill, you know, Volume One came out. Shout out to that. Killiam uh, William. Uh, yes, Killiam um, William, the first. Everybody's favorite uh, Tim Burton movie, mm. of course. Big Fish. I think probably should have been nominated for Best Picture. Um, Paul and I had a chat about the Station Agent the other night. Wonderful movie. I think um, I think City of God was a. Uh, Represented this year in the awards, weren't they some nominations in the? I believe you're correct. Give me a second. Uh, no. What? Hold on. Here we go. Best adapted uh, screenplay. Best director. Oh yeah. Cool. Oh oh yeah. It was yeah. best director. City of God and, and cinematography and film editing. Good. Good. Wow. City of God is. City of God and Big Fish are both in my top twenty favorite films of all time. And wow. So, so shout out to those. Oh, um. I forgot Party Monster came out in 2003. <laughs> Side note to another film yeah, that yeah. helped ruin cinema. The first, was it the first Pirates came out? Yep. Yeah, it got a few nominations too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that movie didn't ruin cinema. It ruined Johnny Depp and it just sucks. Oh, I don't God. hate the third one. I only like, I only like, the I first hate one. them all. Every single one of those. I thought the first one was okay in 2003, but uh, retroactively, I hate it because the other movies exist. Fair point. It's fair. And, and it because it gave us the Lone Ranger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in, in retrospect. <laughs> so now I'm going to rank the best picture nominees. And yes. I have seen uh, 80% of all of them. It's a weird thing to say. Uh, <laughs> Just say you've seen four. <laughs> to, to be fair, Return of the King when it comes to runtime. <laughs> I I say eighty percent of all of them because I've seen most of Sea Biscuit. I didn't get to finish it, and I've seen all but the last half hour of Master and Commander, which I started watching this week. So I'm going to finish it this weekend. So it's kind of unfair, but I have to have Sea Biscuit my number five because I haven't watched enough of it. But I'm liking it so far. Just like Matthew Broderick, kind of hard to finish, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think I get that. He's making Sarah Jessica Parker jokes, and he's saying that Matthew Broderick finds it hard to come because she looks like a horse, but <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker jokes are never funny. Oh, so, yeah, I thought he was talking about Broder Dick or something. But maybe <laughs> Broder Dick. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Speaking of uh, Lost in Translations, at my number four or number three, let's see, yeah, of the other four. Biscuit and then Lost in Translation, which I like, but I don't know if I get. I haven't watched it in a few years. And it's like, okay, cool. But I'm not fully on board with it yet. <laughs> um, after that, then I have Mastered Commander, which even though I haven't finished it, it is an immaculately made, beautifully performed, incredibly filmed. <laughs> that that movie is just, holy shit. That is like the most realistic uh, uh, ship period film I've ever seen. Hmm. And then I'm going with mystic river above that. I, I know Sean Penn can be hammy, but that scene is that my daughter makes me like cry every time, even just watching the clip. I, I just get chills. Like, you know, we'll always say like as a parent now, like I just identify with that film on a whole nother level. <sighs> but, uh, of those return of the King, Lord of the Rings, return of the King is my favorite of those. Uh, I'm going to say yes, it deserved Best Picture. All right. Paul. 
<laughs> yeah. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The other four. I watched them all this week. All right. I'm going to say this. In 2003, this was one of this was my favorite Best Picture race. I loved all of these films in 2003. I couldn't believe how good they all were. I saw them all in a movie theater. Beautiful. Uh, Biscuit was my number one film for literally half of the year because it came out in June. So here's how they stand in 2022. Mystic River is going down to my number four because it's good. It's a good movie. It's really solid. Eastwood did a good job. Uh, I could have dealt without uh, Sean Penn just making a fucking bacon sandwich. Uh, so much ham. So much ham. A lot of ham. Tim Robbins is pretty good in it. That fucking Kevin Bacon, though, really making the bacon sandwich. <laughs> he, no, he's incredible yeah. in that film. Him and Lawrence Fishburne just rule all. They're they so good they in that do. movie. <laughs> uh, I think I... Hold on. I'm going to go over here to my my reviews and let you know where I how I rank these all on Letterboxd, too. Hmm. So, Mr. River, I ended up giving four and a half stars, too. So, yeah. it's my number four. <laughs> Uh, my number three, I think is going to go to lost in translation. It, I was 19 going on 20. I'd be a woman soon. Um, when that movie came out. So thank you, Jonathan. Um, and, uh, as, as a 19 going on 20 year old, that movie hit me in a certain way that it didn't hit me as a man approaching 40. So it, it's still very, it's still a very good movie about a couple of lost souls trying to find themselves, but I don't particularly care for, uh, certain pieces of it. And, uh, I believe I gave that one four and a half. Did I not rank lost in the harshest four and a half ever? I think I saw it accidentally. I didn't mean to look at Letterbox, but I think you gave it four and a half. I think it did too. Uh, hold on. My Letterbox t- banner is just filled with Trav finally finally watching all of the Berserk. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, apparently I did not rank it on Letterbox, but it would be four and a half. Mm-hmm. I I think it's a I think it's a really solid film. It just like I said, it didn't hit the emotional weight that it did twenty years ago. Yeah. 19 years ago. Um, all right. So my number two of the remaining four sea biscuit. I think it's a really good tale about perseverance in, uh, the toughest of times. Um, and again, I think it's a better representation of lost souls coming together and, uh, uh, finding each other than lost in translation was and them doing it during the great depression. And, coming together over a shared interest of horse racing is really interesting. Um, that's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Gary Ross, who also did Pleasantville, very underrated director, I feel. Uh, and uh, I think it's uh, Tobey Maguire's maybe best performance. Cool. Also, Jeff Bridges. And uh, Jeff we Bridges. know what you love. I love Bridges. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my number one is holy fucking shit, Master Commander of the Far Side of the World is one of the greatest films ever made. My <laughs> god, that movie's amazing. I still I need to watch that apparently. It's I, so it's, fucking good. I've, <laughs> I've been sleeping on that one. Yeah. You need you need the to whole... wake the fuck up and watch this movie. It's incredible. <laughs> holy god, fucking damn it. 
The whole world slept on that movie. Yeah, fucking bastard pieces of shit. Watch that movie. It's incredible. It's on something. I think I watched it on the HBO. I don't remember. That movie's incredible. Everybody should see it. Uh, uh, Paul Bettany digs a fucking bullet out of himself, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, and he chops off a kid's arm. Yeah, Justin, then that kid shoots the shit out of a bunch of people. That movie fucking rules. <laughs> I've got the first <laughs> book around here somewhere. So, give it a shot. Give it, give it a shot. Yeah, you, you might, you might want to. Okay, got it. Right, we'll see. I think it'll be up your right. alley. You know, you you pirate man. Yeah, I think what I might do is watch it uh, when Paul finally gets around to the Parks Rec. Oh, mm. Mm, okay. Put it on while you're playing some video games. Well played, clerks. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I, I said this, but uh, Master Commander fucking rules. It's Peter Weir's best movie. Ooh, fair enough. That one about standing on people's desk and suck a fucking dick. You could suck a fucking dick. <laughs> Go stand on a desk. Anyway, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Or am I? That being said, I really wish Station Agent would have got nominated for Best Picture. That movie is incredible. Yeah. Peter, that's 2003, watching that at the uh, the Kimball Theater in Williamsburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it changed my life. I love that movie so much. Uh, Peter Dinklage we, waiting outside in his colonial garb. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, Ang Lee's Hulk, a film I really love. I'm not being sarcastic. That movie is amazing. I know you enjoy that one. It is the best representation of Hulk on screen. Uh, my second favorite film of 2003 is Open Range because, holy shit, I love Westerns and that movie is awesome. Uh, also has Ethan Suppley in it. He's great. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Kill Bill. Kill Bill I saw in a movie theater four times. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Vol- volume one. Yeah. So, this being said, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King was my favorite film of 2003. I fucking love this movie. Right. This movie's incredible. God <laughs> damn it. It's the best one of the trilogy. It, it, it is such an amazing button on a trilogy that, spit, that took up three years of my goddamn life and yep. brain power. I, like I said, I snuck into the theater. Well, not snuck it, but on my lunch breaks at, at a movie theater for a film that I'd probably seen twice already. And just watch bits and pieces of it over and over again. The movie's great. Like, holy shit. There's a really good trilogy. You yeah. had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie. You did. <laughs> you had me worried. <laughs> but, um, so I'm also going to ask, gentlemen, uh, as the uh, man. Also, when- it's an allegory. You can go fuck yourself, Tolkien. <laughs> go on. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not the only one who cried, right? Oh no! I bawled like a baby. Like you bowed to no one. Oh, not not during that part. I mean, I got a little teary. Every but fucking time, every like, time. When when anytime Sam exists on screen, I'm probably crying. Like goddamn it, dude! What a seriously. really good character. <laughs> when I was watching this evening, um, it, it's it's going along, it's going along, and I'm enjoying it so much. And then we're in, um. We're in Gondor and we're in Denethor's hall and he's sitting down and he's eating cherries. Oh God, that's exploding over his mouth. And Peregrine Took starts singing, home is behind. Boom. 
yeah, this, yeah. Oh, the yeah. second he starts singing, I'm like, I don't remember. I, I I know I've always loved this scene. I don't remember this scene being this visceral. Like I feel it's, like I just got punched in the face. <laughs> it's a tough scene for me for two reasons. One, I cannot stand the sound of people eating. It drives me absolutely fucking insane. Oh, absolutely. Um, and two, I watched Fringe fairly recently. So <laughs> good watch, job, Noble. Watching watching him play Father Mir. Just uh yes, Father Mir <laughs> lives on. <laughs> I still to this day, every time Brother Mir uh, and Father Mir. <laughs> That's oh a God. joke. Okay. I, that's so, a joke I started in 2003. I'm glad it's happened. It's still going on. <laughs> also, I will say the one scene that bugs the shit out of me out of the extended version was, and I can never remember her name, and it pisses me off. Um, the chick from um, the the second love interest for Aragorn, Eowyn, and then her and uh, Brother Mir looking at each other, and then all of a sudden they're a fucking thing just out of nowhere. Like they do this weird right. cut to the future sort of like hey i'm i i was just dying on the battlefield and now all of a sudden it's brother mirror looking at her like it's fucking weird she was like oh i didn't realize how into guys that look like dave mustaine from mechadeth i was <laughs> but we're here now yeah. <laughs> but uh, what you gonna do yeah yeah that was that was, oh. that was really because i mean like even romeo and juliet got 14 lines and two kisses Right. I mean, these guys didn't get they, these two didn't get anything. They got a look. It's like and, they and had a, to give her, hold, and that's it. And, and they mentally said, "Let us kiss with tongues." <laughs> it was just very much as like battle. Are you lust. just trying to make it okay that Aragorn kind of had like a maybe not Liv Tyler? Like, oh, she got a happy ending. It's okay. And as far as I'm concerned, it should have not been Liv Tyler. That's not to say that it it shouldn't have been. Arwen. It just shouldn't have been Liv Tyler. For right. I do not like Liv Tyler. No, you don't like Liv Tyler. She is a I, terrible actress. I think she's, she was amazing in this way. And I'm not a huge Liv Tyler fan, but I thought she was amazing. I thought I she think did a lot of good eye acting in this. She really did. And then listening to her speak Elvish, geek boner every time. <laughs> All right. I'm just like, I'm just like, Stephen Tyler, stop talking <laughs> not look like him like she i just looks don't exactly like him don't Eva! see it go go watch sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band and then come back to me. no thank you <laughs> that movie's amazing sure all right moving on justin's second question here is is this the worst best picture oh, fuck no uh, <laughs> wow um so you you as far as i'm concerned you mm-hmm. folks are still coming up to the worst best picture. I think oh. you haven't touched it yet. So You're what is get the there? What is the worst best picture for you? Crash. Oh. Wow. That's a without, hot take. Without question. It's like, and I'm not including like the stuff that like the the one that won best picture in like 1929 because it's just like i i've never seen i have no context uh, right so it's so it's like okay if it's but oh yeah no to me it's to me it's crash the film from 1929 is great so i saw a list that ranks that as the single of all of the 94 best picture winners ranks that as the worst wow Oh, wait, is, wait, 1921. So, oh, is that Broadway that, Melody? Never mind. That's probably Broadway yeah. Melody. Okay, so that's that very terrible. possible. That is, that is, that is, that is, 
bottom that's, of the that's dragging. Yeah, that's dragging the pile for most right. of us. If we go by eight. just film alone and not like the grossness of humanity, I think it is probably the worst. But hmm. throw racism and child grossness in, it gets beat. So. And circuses. And circuses. Jesus fucking Christ. That is still my bottom. Um, all right. So uh, I'm going to agree. This is not the worst best picture. It's my number two. Number two. Number two. It, uh, Keep in mind, this is his rewatchability list. So the film that he just said that he watches once a year is, of course, going to be very high on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who to thunk I, it right I, I watch braveheart a lot <laughs> like a lot so yes this movie is in between amadeus and braveheart um god man i almost wanted to put this at number one i really did but i i don't see my number one changing but there are some movies i have not seen coming up so zach hello is this the worst best picture it is not. Well, that's it's good. St- I'm sticking with uh, Greatest Show on Earth as the worst. That's the circus movie, Justin. It's literally mm-hmm. 80% the most, circus. Most ironically titled. Yeah. Train <laughs> crash and a weird love trilogy and wife killing. Um, so. <laughs> oh, I killed my wife. <laughs> No, I'm a clown. Played by Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Do it again, whore. <laughs> we can't get into this again. <laughs> this is the extended edition of the podcast. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is one of uh, 15, about 15 movies that I have uh, ever given a perfect 100 on Critiker. Like, I've got a bunch of 99s and 98s, but there's only 15 movies that I think are actually should, like perfect. You you should give more movies 100. I well, should, right, but I, I always find a little something wrong with them, and I'm I'm not as giving as you, Paul. I I I love well, I love things, but I'm always I always. Oh, I always think there's something wrong with every film. I'll still give it 100 though. Yeah. Well, I grade it like a test. If there's a little mistake, I have to count it off. So that that's just wow. me though. That's how I am. But anyway, so Return of the King is my number five behind the first two Godfathers, um, Casablanca and Schindler's List. Nice. And then Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number five. Number five. What's under what do you got underneath it? Uh the apartment was my number five. Before oh, okay. oh, what a good thing to say. Please stay crash. <laughs> <laughs> haven't, we haven't watched so it. We're only doing a ranked. Yep. We'll get on, there. on the waterfront. Amadeus is my number seven. So yeah, we only got, we only got two years until that one. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, Paul. Yes. Is this the worst best picture? I just said, yes. Okay. Moving on. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, of course it isn't. It's uh, my number 75. Um, no, uh, no, this film rules. It's so good. I, I gave this five stars. I would probably give it like a 97 on Zach's scale. 
because it's not perfect. Um, but it's so very, very good. But I have it at the bottom of my five-star list, so it's going at number 21 under a, a film I would give 102, Terms of Endearment. Fair enough. And right above Midnight Cowboy. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think we shall call it there. Justin, thank you very much for joining us today, sir. Yes, thank you. Oh, guys, I, I like I, said, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what you guys do. And uh, it was a lot of fun coming on and talking about, again, a movie that is incredibly near and dear to my own franchise that's incredibly near and dear to my heart. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yes. And is there anything you'd like to plug again? So, uh, so like, like that, like, or like was kind of mentioned off the top, um, I have been a long time, like small YouTuber content creator, mostly around sports, but with movies, like we've mentioned a couple of times on the show, the Justin and Tyler movie awards that we produce uh, every year. And this year, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to break a little news for all four fans of our movie awards. I'm going to break a little news here on the show. Um, Tyler and I are breaking into mid-year movie awards this year so that will be coming in early june uh, because in true us fashion it's not actually the mid-year but that's what we're going to call it anyway so yeah that that is going to be coming in uh in early june it's a very scaled down version of what we normally do uh that will be available on my uh youtube channel which is bridgewater's finest youtube.com slash bridgewater's finest and like i say most of my content focuses around NFL football, playoff hockey, a lot of things like that. I'm trying to branch out a little bit more, but with the with the movie awards, we've been doing it for so long, and it's the one thing that we, like, every year, as soon as we finish the previous one, we start thinking, okay, so what's the deal for next year sort of thing? So it's constantly front of mind for us. But all, all of my content is basically in that one place, Bridgewater's Finest. So um, can people uh, still find uh, Donkey Punch Central content? So I will say this, um, name included, uh, the Donkey Punch Central content has aged like milk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is still available. I am staring at Zach looking up a video from 11 years ago called the Donkey Punch Central promo. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) From Sabbath Soldier. Yeah. Yes, that's my YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, So Zach Zach has made subscribed. (laughs) Zach has made multiple appearances in content that uh, Tyler and I basically have have co-produced, including a a just sparkling would have won best supporting actor that year if it would have if we would have gotten it out in in time for the Oscars as uh, as uh, Diamond Dick Terratio, I believe it was. Yeah, wow. I mean, just just a virtuoso <laughs> performance as like right. a, a, a proto Alex Jones, uh, but not nearly as crazy um, uh, radio a radio host. Just uh, just a phenomenal performance. But oh uh, yeah, like, like the 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 old Donkey Punch Central uh, content has has not aged well. Uh, you can, we can still watch it now and appreciate like the inside jokes and things like that. But it is very a product of 2011 so it 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 stays it stays where it is yes fair (laughs) enough 
All right. Well, we will go ahead and call that here, guys. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me at Altorn underscore Occam on the TikToks, the Twitch TV, and I had another one, Twitter. That's one. Man, my memory sucks. Zach, where can we find you? <laughs> Your memory's full of uh, fantasy uh, details. You can't remember other things. Seriously, do you guys want to hear about the creation of the dwarves? It's amazing. No. Oh, not even a little. <laughs> Does it involve Gary Oldman? Oh, please, yes. <laughs> okay, hold on. We, I have to. I have to talk about this now because Zach brought it up. Yep. I introduced Zach and uh, Trav to a movie called Tiptoes last week or earlier this week while yeah. we were recording our other episode because Trav's doing something important. Yes. That's not us. Um, there's a movie called Tiptoes. And if you don't know what the movie Tiptoes is, it's a film starring Kate Beckinsale in which she is in a love triangle with Matthew McConaughey and Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is playing a dwarf. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. With with regular size people arms. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is in it. He is. <laughs> and Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey are brothers, right? They're brothers. They're twins. <laughs> okay. Here's, They're twins. Here's what's selling me on this. The film debuted in a 150-minute director's cut at Harry Knowles's butt Numathon. Oh, God. <laughs> Harry Knowles. Oh, I have not man. heard that name in decades, I think. Now, that is a name I have not heard yeah. in a long time. Exactly. Um, damn, dude, that was good. It was. That was very good. Well, thank you. It's, 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 <laughs> a little twinge there in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, anyway. Okay. Oh, uh, this movie's on Tubi for free right now, too. If we, <laughs> if you need to know that. All right. Paul, where can we find you? Or Zach, uh, you, you can oh, did, uh, maybe I didn't. Uh, Critiker, yeah. Zach Master, X A K K M A S T E R, TikTok, House Havoc, or Letterbox by searching my name. And now, Mr. Workman. Oh, you can follow me on at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox, where I am ranking all the films I watch. And uh, I today finally got to see everything, everywhere, all at once. And it is very lucky that film didn't come out in 2003 because it is one of the greatest films I've ever seen in a theater. Oh, God, I need to see that so much. Sweet. Now, keep in mind, I seen a lot of really good movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See this movie. It's, oh my God, it's fucking incredible. I, I'm about to go on the Master and Commander rant again. I'm telling you, there are things, I, there are jokes I wish I could say about the movie right now that wouldn't ruin it for other people. Just know that there are things that me and Joseph Tapia sat during the credits and giggled about until the credits ended. That's, that's awesome. I'm very excited a, to see it. It's amazing. All right. Indeed. All right. Hey, Zachary McCoy. Hi. What are we watching next week? We're watching a movie named after you, honey. Million Dollar Baby. Yes. That's kind of odd. but yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> You can rent it on Amazon, Google, Vudu, YouTube, or stream on HBO Max. Excellent. Very nice. So, now we're going to do the spiel. Spiel. The spiel. 
Bill, it starts with, we would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank my guests at my home this evening, uh, Megan and Jay Bellevue, for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at The Oscorsity Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review. Five, like the number uh, of the, the return of the Lord of the Rings Return to the King on Zachary McCoy's list. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the all-mighty Lizzo. Lizzo. Sorry, uh, Lizzo played the algorithm on Saturday Night Live this past week. Oh, (laughs) okay. Well, let's see where you went with that. That was that was too deep. It, uh, it was, it was full, kind of a deep full, cut there, but full, full disclosure: inside baseball, I live in Nova Scotia, Canada. It's one o'clock in the morning. I never would have put that together. <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever. ever. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the Almighty algorithm. All yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> thinking of the slow motion video. It's amazing. Shout out to Tyler Warwick on uh, TikTok for his For the Rings TikTok. Next. So, for Justin, Zach, Jonathan, and the Hobbits, who are being taken to Isengard. Isengard. (laughs) Hobbits, we'd like for you all to have a damn fine day.